When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is Ace Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, gone! Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. How you doing, A's fans, baseball fans? Welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. Today, from the field, we're back at it on a Monday. Scattered showers from Hurricane Hillary, which is now a tropical storm. Heading through, I believe, Nevada. Is that correct, Cody? Still going through Nevada. I, I hear in the southwest part of Texas. I'd have to check through with our Ace Cast Weather Center, but I, that Will sounds correct. Will you get me my high-def Doppler? <laughs> uh, I wish we had the uh, – I was telling our interns, uh, I wish we had the switcher that we use at your house and we could just switch the camera over to them and they're sitting at a, sitting at a desk and – well, you know, Chris, we're tracking the radar, and it says that rain will hit. I wanted to get a poll today. I love I love Weather Channel when weather hits, especially hurricanes. And they're, you know, somewhere in the Gulf or right off Florida, North Carolina. And you want to talk about legit reporting, right? You got these guys in these, like, super insulated rain suits. They're holding on to, like, poles. Behind me is the hurricane in the eye of the wall. They're, like, shaking. The palm trees are going... I love the Weather Channel during the, during these times. What was it like yesterday? Uh, really boring because they kept just showing, like, streams in Los Angeles. Like, you expect, like, roaring rivers going through, mass flooding. Well, the flooding is all in the desert, right, through Nevada. It's like San Diego. I grew up in San Diego. It's laughable, right? There's, like, any rain and people panic. San Diego got two and a half inches of rain. And they were, like, panicking. They scheduled doubleheaders all throughout the weekend. Panicking. And, by by the way, Padres will be playing tonight against the Marlins. But they were panicking that the, the, the tropical storm was coming. They got two and a half inches of rain. Uh, where they desperately need water and rain, it, it is like Now, also, if you throw up in Ventura County, uh, where you know my good friend Mark Podesta lives, uh, they had a 5.1 earthquake to go along yeah. with the tropical storm. So uh, to anybody down there struggling, whether it's in the desert or it's in Southern California, the certain places that got up to eight inches of rain, uh, we're rooting for you because we know 
that is not easy. But we're kind of getting scattered showers right now, but uh, the sun is out. The tarp was never on the field, so this game was never in doubt. When I was driving up 880 today, uh, I needed a little bit of wash on the car. Yeah, I do too. So, so I got, got I, I'm hoping that the rain kind of took care of that and made the, uh, the gray car look a little better than it's been a little dusty. But, uh, but for the most part, we are going to be good. And we got a lot to talk about today, a lot to get into with baseball. The great Ken Korak is going to be here at 415. Taylor Hearn, we've talked about him in the past. He's been a ranger. He's been a brave. He's been a pirate. He was a part farm guy, farm system parts. Who else? What, I mean, he's uh, now royal, Now royal, yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of the Pirates real quick, there, we saw a guy come on the field oh with maybe the greatest hat I've ever – it hit me in the cardiac oh, muscle. Go ahead. It's a, his hat said in, and I quote, the Pittsburgh Pirates will be better next year. Remember, the show <laughs> is all about Cody. This hat affected him. He saw this hat, and oh, my God, it's a pirate hat. It is It is a funny hat. It's almost like you got to bring the guy over and just show the hat. Yeah. It is a ledger because it would work for a lot of different franchises. Oh, 100%, yes. Royals Roy, could be one of them. Uh, the Athletics definitely could be one of them. But, yes, uh, Taylor Hearn, his, his baseball stories, you know, fine, but it's what he does, what his career could be after baseball that's even more interesting. He's from a family of cowboys, which I can't wait to get into. Uh, Roxy Bernstein, our buddy from ESPN. Everybody knows Roxy, the great cow bear, will be joining us from the Little League World Series, the experience last night where you have Phillies cheering on a Pennsylvania team. So we'll talk to Roxy coming up at 515. And sometime, and this is the number one thing for you, A's fans, Lawrence Butler is going to be here today. It's going to be after batting practice, but the law, law dog, yeah. or LB, as I like to call him. We had a cool like graphic up here on our banner that said law butler, but it was in the law and order color scheme and like yeah. the font. It looked really cool. I wonder if we're going to do that tonight. Sorry if I, I ruined that for Justin Marshall and his team. So I, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I, think, I, think, I think we're going to be okay. So Lawrence Butler is going to join us here. It's going to be right after batting practice uh the kansas city royals come into town by the way and this is something that you know i have talked about and lawrence butler just passed right by us one thing that i have talked about that disturbs me a little bit with our team this year just to be all honest is that everybody at some point usually in a season and i mean usually everybody like every single year usually every dog has its day teams start to do things better Teams start to get now. Some teams regress, no question. But usually everybody has a spurt. And it was a long time ago that the A's had that quick little seven-game winning streak. But that was they got hot. I get it. But you know now that you've played together for months, and as much as we've changed players out, there's still players here, right? Langliers has been here all year long. Aletmus Diaz has been here all year long. Tony Kemp has been here all year long. Winnie's been healthy. Seth Brown has been here all year long. Rooker's been here all year long. I mean, when you start to look at J.P. Sears has been here all year long. Waldachuk's been here all I mean, you can go down the line. A lot of the guys that we have here, they've been here. Now you've had an influx of guys, but at some point, Everybody starts to get better. I, I mean, I got stuff on the Royals. The Royals have been getting better since July 28th, for example. And they've had player movement. But since July 28th, the Royals lead the American League in batting. I saw that. That's impressive. Bobby, Bobby Wood Jr. has really turned around his season. Uh, He's been pretty good. They also lead in slugging. 
when you think of the Royals, you don't think of uh, slugging high, you know, a lot of home runs over the last couple of years. But this is a new era of Royals baseball, or there maybe they are going to start prioritizing power instead of, uh, you know, stealing stealing bags and you know just taking extra base like they did before with Gordon and all and Hosmer. But and that's guys. not the yeah. point. They're getting better. Yeah, they're they're seeing increase in production. That you know their their record still stinks. These are the two worst records in baseball. Them at forty and eighty six, but you're seeing them getting better. Like right now, I can sit here and continue to read Geloff stats. Zach Geloff has reached base in seventeen straight games. Geloff has five home runs. He's hitting three eighty five with ten multi hit games in his first thirty one major league. I give you Geloff all day long. I can't give you team stuff, and that's the thing for me that kind of needs to, to change. What do I need to see? What is it, 37 or 36 games left? Or what are we, 34 and 90? 34. Or 90? That's so there's, uh, there'd be, I think it's 38 games left. 38 games. The team needs to get better. Players as a, as a group need to get better. That is what I need to see. The statistics and stuff, does, you know, individual stuff, great. But what United does, like this, seeing the Royals, like all of a sudden the Royals as a team are hitting better. They're slugging better. Certain teams, like I can tell you, like some big series right now, it's kind of, I mean, I don't know how many times we can call some teams make it or break at time, but there's certain teams that, you know, you're seeing their pitching get better or their bullpen has gotten better. There's at least one aspect. There's one aspect that, hey, in the last three weeks, since, you know, right now we're kings of record since the deadline and we're uh, – Trading deadline and record since the All-Star break. We're getting a ton of that, and I have some of that we're going to get into because today is the day that you have to finally say it's time to say it's over. There's some teams that we – and, and we got a bunch of guests going. Do you want to get into that now? Why not? So right. Should I get the music ready? Yeah, get the music ready. Today is finally the day, August 21st, that we have to stop playing around – and after this, I'm not going to do this again. We're going to focus on the teams that matter, the teams that are in it, because there are some interesting series. Giants right now playing Philly. That's an interesting series. It's about it for the wild, wild card spots. It's an interesting series, right? They're still, so we got to focus on that and stop focusing on the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Please, can, can you get it rolling here? You know, we all start the season believing we have a chance. We all start the season thinking that what we did in the offseason, all the big checks that we wrote, the trades, the signings, what we did the year before matters. And then all of a sudden, the season starts and it plays out and it may not go your way. And you sit in this fog. And you wonder why, with all the names that we have on the back of the jerseys, how are we not winning? How are we not better? Look what we did last year. But we're going to turn it around. And fans call into the post-game shows, and they call into talk shows. Columnists who hardly ever show up will show up every once in a while and write articles because they got to do something before football season starts. We all want to believe that there's this magic switch that's going to be flipped for teams. 
Well, the reality is those teams are outliers who flipped that switch. And on August 21st, it's time to say goodbye to some teams that we thought were going to be prominent players. Teams that we were talking to their personnel or we were talking to their people that work for their teams when we did all of our pre-shows on A's Cast Live in spring training or we are at the winter meetings and everybody's talking about their signings. Three teams over the weekend sealed their fate. And no longer will they be allowed to be talked about as, well, if they just with 38 games left. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Disneyland. The Rally Monkey, it's time to put him back in the cage. It's over. The Angels over the weekend losing two out of three to Tampa Bay, they made their moves. They did everything they could. They made more moves than anybody. Since the trading deadline, the Angels are 5-13 and 13 after all those big moves. They thought they could bring in a bunch of guys and change the culture. Hasn't been able to happen. Mike Trout hasn't come back and saved you. You wonder if Perry Manassian, Phil Nevin, in the end, would have liked to have moved Otani. But they didn't. I said they shouldn't. Maybe I was wrong. It's time to say goodbye to the Angels. Their season is done at 61 and 64. The New York Yankees. And I'm, I'm going to have a big smile on my face when I do this one. The Yankees swept over the weekend by the Boston Red Sox. Do you realize that August 1st, 2022, the Yankees were 70 and 34? Now think about that. August 1st, last year, 2022, the Yankees were 70 and 34. They were an absolute juggernaut. And from year to year, August to August, they have completely failed. Since June 4th this season, the Yankees are 24 and 39. They've been atrocious. And it's done. The New York Yankees, as we know it, at 60 and 64, the season is over. They're circling the drain and not far from being completely done. No more talk of the Bombers. No more talk of the money. No more talk about, well, if Aaron Boone does this or does that. They're old, they're one-dimensional, and they're hurt. Now the big talk is, will somebody take all of Giancarlo's money, or how much money will the Yankees have to pay for you to take Giancarlo Stanton? They're done. The San Diego Padres. Everybody has tried to figure out what's wrong with the Padres. They haven't won one game in extra innings. They're horrible in one-run games. And the Padres are just 7-11 since the deadline. They lost 3-4 to Arizona. If you saw the highlights, Juan Soto in the first game of a doubleheader, bases loaded, hits it, left center. They show the clip of Bob Melvin in the dugout, and, oh, it's going out. And it's caught at the wall, game over. Then they come out in game two of the doubleheader, and they get smoked. The Padres are 59 and 66. They are done. Ken Korak, it's August 21st. We're finally having to say, we already said goodbye to the Mets and the Cardinals. You just buried the Padres. 
Well, I buried <coughs> the Angels first. Yes. Then we buried the Yankees, and now burying the Padres. No longer do we need to talk about what ifs. They're done. After yeah, their they, weekend, it was their last stands. They did not stand. They're done. I kind of root for the Padres because I have so much respect for Bo Mill, right? And then every time they kind of win a couple in a row, they lose three in a row. They haven't won more than three in a row all year. All right? year. All year. So, yeah, I mean, I can't I can't argue with you. i kind of still holding out hope that they might be able to get on some kind of run, but it's getting late, right? Yeah, so. well, for me, it's now time for us on this show to stop talking about that because I, I, I think fans are tired. It's time to focus on legit teams. And the one team, if you looked at all these teams that had, had like, when are these teams going to play better? The one team has been the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. The Seattle Mariners, since uh, July 25th, 19-5, and tied for the best record with the Los Angeles Dodgers. All of a sudden, Mariner pitching, Mariner hitting, yeah. it's all coming together. Julio Rodriguez, in terms of Mariner hitting, right? He's a fine little player. 17 hits in a four-game span. He's slumping now. He only had one hit yesterday in their game. But they're a team that could make a run, I think, because their pitching is so good. Yeah. They have good young pitching. They have Castillo to lead the rotation. So uh, I really like their ball club. We're going to see them, as you know, next week after the trip to Chicago. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're legit. I really do. Yeah. They, you know, the other thing is when they traded Seawald, I thought, does that mean they're kind of throwing in the towel? This guy's like one of the best closers in the game. Not Jerry DePoto. The A's have a touch Seawald. <laughs> Right? It's like he, he sends Seawald out there and you're packing up your bags and going home. But they got a couple of players from Arizona for Seawald that have helped their clubs. So I guess they knew what they were doing. Yeah, during this great run, their bullpen ERA is 2.43. And since they've yeah. traded Seawald, they're 10 for 13 and saved. So it hasn't hurt. And you talk about this eight-game hitting streak for J-Rod. He's hitting 527. Yeah, that's all right. Well, he's a guy that can carry a team. So if you're going to have a successful club and make a run, you need somebody who can carry your team. There aren't that many guys who can do that. He can carry a team. Well, one guy we're seeing that may be that guy for the A's, I mean, you've been around here a while, and all the great players you've seen, just how do you put into context the start by Zach Geloff? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we're conditioned not to go overboard because it's only been about five weeks, but everything he's done has been great. So it's impressive. Uh, he's impressive off the field. He brings a leadership quality to the ball club. So there's nothing you can, you can say other than he's been outstanding. So uh, the flip side of that is that Soderstrom got sent down today. But, and I think, obviously, the A's still believe that Soderstrom's going to be an impact player up here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Geloff, he's, he's kind of a 5 tool player right now. Yeah, right? he's got he's, everything. He's played great defense. He can run. He steals bases, hits for power. So uh, it's been fun to watch. Yesterday is a great example, and you just said it. Beyond the numbers is you're seeing this guy who is a leader. Leaders are not made. They're born. We know that. And yesterday there was a pop-up in the first inning. Diaz is looking up. He's not a natural third baseman, but he's looking up. Allen's coming in looking up. J.P. Sears, the pitcher, is like, is anybody going to call this? And finally, Geloff comes in from second base. This is the third baseman ball. He said, get out of the way. I got it. Yeah. That's leadership. Yeah, That's taking is. the bull by the horn. You don't t- see it's stuff like that 
in sports, you can't teach that. After that play, you came racing into our booth during the commercial break. <laughs> but, you know, actually, Jordan's played a lot of third base in the minor leagues. So you need him to take charge in a play like that, right? I mean, luckily, and then there's infield fly roll, I think, was called anyway. But Gilloff, you know, he bailed those guys out. Yeah. He really did. Could and have been a disaster. Kind of, yeah, right. So he's not – some guys get up here and they're timid. They don't want to assert themselves. You know, it's their first month in the big leagues. He's not timid, right? He's not afraid to assert himself, and that's that's winning baseball. I have no problem with Soderstrom going down. He's 21 years old. I, 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 I yeah. am so tired of everybody calling everybody young because right now when you get to be 23, 24, 25, you're right on the doorstep of your prime. You may be inexperienced, but I don't think you're yet. Right. Soderstrom at 21 is young. Plus, he, but he was a high school draft choice, Troy, so it wasn't I, like he came young. out of college. I like how he came yeah, up here and got the yeah, experience. He did. The thing that you have to – every player, almost every player has to deal with failure. So this is really the first time – that he struggled, right? He was hitting what when he got sent down? 170? 167. Something like that. One, yeah. So how do you deal with that? Uh, we talk about it with Mark Kotze on the manager show today. And a lot of guys, you know, they have all this success in high school or if they go to college and coming up in the minor leagues. This is a whole different ballgame up here, as, as you know. I don't have to tell you that. So how do you, how do you deal with failure and struggling for the first time? And I think that if you, if you get through it, it can actually make you a better player. Because like the other night when Lawrence Butler was up uh, in the 10th inning on, on Saturday against Baltimore, and this kid Webb was on the mound, he got three straight change-ups, right? Left hand here, three straight change-ups outside corner at the knees. Strike three. And the only way you're going to get better is to see that up here. So there are times when I think you have to fight through it up here because you're not going to see that yes. in the minor leagues, right? You're not going to see three straight change-ups at the knees with the game on the line in the 10th inning in AAA. So how do you make the adjustments and the counter-adjustments when they start to figure you out? And literally, it's just not baseball. I mean, when Steph Curry first came to the Golden State Warriors, not only did he have issues playing, he had issues with his ankles. The great Jerry Rice, one of the greatest football players of all time, had trouble catching the ball yeah, when he, he first had the drops. started out, right? So yeah. it happens in all sports. We live in this utopian world where we want everybody just to come up and just be great and then be great for the next 20 years. Right. But you learn from failure. That's right. Yeah, and the A's are learning a lot. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, there have been a lot of tough lessons. Um, yesterday was really a tough game, and I said this on the air that if you can't accept that, right? If you're a young player on the A's and you go through a series like they just had, my hope would be that you would you would say, "This is what we aspire to. Where the Orioles are now is where we want to get to." So and use that as inspiration. I think that's the only way you can look at it. And Lawrence Butler is going to be on this show today, even though the numbers aren't great for the start. But you see, and let's you let him play a little bit. Oh yeah, he's got it, to play. It's, it's special. He's also a special kid. He wants to do what we're doing right now. You can ask him about that. <laughs> oh, he's watched this show. No, I know he yeah. watches the show. He wants to be an analyst. I told him just wait twenty years, and then uh, you're going to be here twenty more years. Well. I would like to be on the first tee somewhere in 20 years. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to happen. 
You can just but, broadcast forever. It's in yeah. your family genes, for God's sake. I don't sakes. know, man. But no, he's a he's a really special kid, and he has a chance to be really good. Yeah, yeah. There is some excitement, I think, with these young players, and and then you start to wait. Okay, what are we going to get out of Allen? What are you going to get out of Langoliers? What are you going to get out of Diaz? Jordan There's Diaz something. has been struggling, and it's disappointing to me because I'm like his biggest fan, his biggest advocate, Jordan. Yeah. Because I think he's a 275, 25 homer guy. And even though he's, you know, he's had a tough week, week to 10 days. But Mark Conte really believes in Jordan, and he's back in there today. So he's going to get a chance to play a lot, and he has to fight through this, yeah. this struggling period right now. And Tommy Evers, the assistant coach, believes that maybe he's a little too analytical right now. So there's that balance because they want him to be, to show better strike zone command, which I think he's done generally. But you still want to, you don't want to overthink it, right? So they're thinking that maybe he's a little bit too much into his mechanics right now. And just let the natural ability take over because I think Jordan has a lot of natural ability as a hitter. It's like what Coco used to say to us all the time. Hey, every once in a while... You got to let all that stuff go, and you just yeah. got to see ball, hit ball, let yeah, it rip. Just let it go, right? Yeah, trust your instincts. Tr- trust who you are as a hitter. Let it go. Uh, I was telling the story the other day about how I remember doing interviews with Tim Roy when the Warriors had some bad times, now, many years of bad times. And he talked about there was always somebody to see. Well, today, yeah. Bobby Witt Jr., this kid. Bobby Witt Jr. is hitting 422, eight home runs, nine stolen bases, a 1,247 OPS in 21 games. He leads the American League in hits since June. He might be the fastest guy in baseball. Two of the top three stolen base guys in baseball are uh, out here tonight because Acuna is number one now, Ruiz is number two, and uh, Bobby Witt's number three. They're hitting these guys, the Royals. Don't just dismiss them. If you look at their overall numbers, they're not good. But for the last six weeks, they've been one of the best offensive teams in baseball. And they have a future Hall of Famer playing first base. I mean, it's going to be weird to see Salvador Perez playing first base. It's a big first base. And not catching. But I think, to me, he's a surefire Hall of Famer. I'm not sure other people feel that way. Oh, he'll Not sure if you do. But I think he's this guy's. What's his career war? Cody? Uh, well, I think he's an eight-time All-Star, five-time gold glove, or reverse eight gold gloves, five also. Yeah. And he has 242 home runs. Yeah, I'm with you, Ken. I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he's war, also a World Series MVP. Thir- round up, it's 33. It's a 32.9. He's going to get Yeah, it. no, he's great. All right. He's, he's a pillar in the community, too, Perez. You got Mr. Butler coming Mr. up. Mr. Butler, guy's yeah. taking your job in 20 I would years. love it. Yeah, he's, yeah, I think so. Maybe sooner than that. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> I think – the, the Hall of Famer, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, the Ken Korak with uh, Ken Korak with us here on Ace Cast Live. Thank you, sir. He'll be back on the air. Is it six forty? Is uh, first pitch? Correct, six forty. Six forty. Lawrence Butler is going to be joining us here. It's an honor, going to be honored to have him. And that's how we do it on the field. We're able to switch from Ken Korak to Lawrence Butler that easy. It's great to finally have you on the show. How are we doing, Chris? I'm doing wonderful. How are things? I'm doing amazing now that I'm on the show. We're talking about greatness of Ken Korak leading into you. He was just talking about how, I mean, this is years from now, hopefully something like 20 years from now, you want to be an analyst. I love to be an analyst, man. Y'all job looks so fun. Y'all get to come out here every day and just talk about the sport. 
analyze people. I know it got to be fun. Well, think about what it would be like, like after you play for X amount of years where your job is basically you tell the people what you see because after all these years of playing professional baseball, you have a certain insight that people don't, and you're able just to tell everybody and show everybody, whether you're in studio, whether you're on a show like this, or you're up actually during the game, you'd be great at it. I'd be amazing at it, I think. I think I could tell the people what I feel like from my point of view, to give them from like a recent player's point of view. So I have a lot of fun doing it. I have a lot of fun. All right, everybody has that moment when they first show up. You know, some people have had it like when they drive up. Some people have it when they're playing against a certain player. What is that, oh my God, I'm in the big leagues. What was that one moment like, I'm here? Uh, I would have to say in um, first series, Nationals, the second game, I was just in center field, and, like, I'm just looking at the whole bark, ballpark, and I'm like, wow, like, I'm really playing center field for the Oakland A's right now. <laughs> it, was, it was a surreal moment. It was so cool because, you know, like, you dream of that as yeah. a little kid by, like, any team you get drafted by. So that, that was probably my I'm in the big leagues moment. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, all these years, you think about can that be me, will it be me? Of course, you got to believe it's going to be you. And then that finally happens when you get in the big league clubhouse because you get such a taste of it. Like, your spring training was so good, you had to taste it. It had to be right there for you leaving spring. Disappointed you're just going to double A, but you just had to taste it then in spring training. Like, this can be me. Yeah, I mean, spring training was, was a huge help to just for me to just see how the big league players work, how they carry themselves, how they go about it day by day. And, you know, I had some great guys in the clubhouse, Brownie, TK. They're showing me the way, like, just helping me. Any questions I have, they're always there to answer them. So, you know, spring training was a huge taste. Cots always on me, just making sure I'm doing the right thing. So that was that was huge. Now, at what age? Because you come out of high school, and it's just it's a different world, high school baseball than professional baseball. Yeah. At what age do you think the light started to go on for you and, and you really started becoming the player you are now? I would say after my 2019 year, that was probably like the worst year I had in pro ball. So after that year, it kind of just clicked for me like, all right, talent is talent, but you're still going to have to work hard to be the best and to get to where you want to be. So, you know, after 2019, we didn't have a 2020, so I just worked the whole yeah. 2020 like, we just grinded, me and some of the guys back home. We just do lives every day. You know, we're just doing baseball things every day. So, I feel like that year was like, the year. I was shocked because we still did this show during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Even when we had no games. Then the 60 game starts, the alternate site. We didn't always think about what was happening at the alternate site because we were focusing on what was going up here. And then I recently found out you weren't there. And that made you angry. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm yeah. angry you weren't yeah, there. Yeah, it kind of pissed me off a little Talk bit. Talk about that put, putting the chip on your shoulder. Like, how dare you not bring me to San Jose? I mean, it, it, it drove me. It drove me a lot because, you know, like, those guys are getting to compete against uh, former guys in the in the org, and they're getting to be in front of the higher-ups, so they get to see them every day. But we're I'm back home. Nobody's looking at me. So it just made me grind even more harder, lit a fire in me. So, you know, that next year I came back, lit it up, and, you know, it's just been up ever since. You know, we see you talking about home, and we've heard about home, and that's why you throw up the fours with the home run and everything. But tell us back at home, I mean, obviously for, like, my generation, Marquise Grissom was a great player. Amazing. I mean, he was Amazing a great player. player. 
And just talk about the support system and what you have at home. Um, you know, home is everything for me. I love Atlanta. Um, you know, Marquise Grissom plays a huge part in my development and where I am today and my knowledge because, you know, without him, I probably wouldn't even be here or know the things I know today. You know, he's just huge. He always gives us, like, before we work out, gives us a 30-minute speech every day on just life. Life, baseball, you know, how we can better ourselves on and off the field. So, you know, he's a huge part. You know, I got a great group I work out with, two back home, Cam Collier, Chandler Simpson. He leads MILB in stolen yeah. bases. Michael Harris. You know, uh, Cabrera Weaver, you know, we got a great group. Tink Hintz comes out there, too, sometimes. So we have a great group down there on us. So it's it's a com – I, I, I bet everybody's buddies – I bet it's a competitive group. Oh, we get after it. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll be hitting on a hill, and, like, he says, like, the top of the hill is, like, 50 points before it's 40. I mean, we go after it every day. Me, yeah. Cam, and Mike trying to hit that 50 every time. So it, we get after it out there. If I could put you in an ideal situation, say, okay, this is where you're playing every day, where would it be? Uh, like just anywhere? Anywhere. Center, right. Where? What, what would be ideal for you on an everyday basis? Center field, no questions. I love center. You know, you're you're the guy out there. Like you can control everything. You just every when you call the ball, they got to get out your way. Like you can just take control of the game, and really, you can be a, a game changer. You know, the guy in center field has a lot of pressure on him, but pressure makes diamonds. So I'm ready for it. Well, also you're the captain out there because you can help set the right fielder to the left fielder. Back in the yep. day, Willie Mays before we everybody had cards and do it. Willie Mays actually positioned his guys oh. and center fielders. You know what the pitch is coming, so you can kind of anticipate. Yeah. If you know the batter, you know the pitcher. Exactly. You don't get that in right and left field. Nah, see in right, you kind of just got to look at your center fielder the whole game. Like, all right, which way are you moving? All right, you got the card, but. Sometimes the center fielder might know a little bit more than the card does. So he's like, all right, it's a slower pitcher. We're not going to go oppo. We might just go a little pull. So, you know, and that makes me feel good when I move a center, uh, left or right fielder and they can make a play. So it's like I have my hand in that. I just help the team get better a little bit. So that's all it is. Give us your scouting report and what you think is Zach Geloff's game. Amazing player. Has style. You know, he's just unbelievable come up here, lit it up, lighten it up still. Good glove, athletic, steals bases. I mean, you would say he's a five-tool, but I think he's a six-tool because he also has the great baseball IQ with him. Yeah. So, I mean, that kid's unstoppable. He's an unbelievable kid, unbelievable teammate in the clubhouse. I love Zach. He's like one of my best friends now. So, he, he's going to be here for a long time. He's got it. He's, he has the it factor. He for sure has the it factor. Like, that's a superstar in the making right now. Y'all heard it here first. He's going to be an all-star, multiple-year like, all-star. Like, there's that leadership to go with all these tools and all the things that he does and hitting the ball everywhere. There's that leadership that yeah. he's got. Yeah, Zach, Zach's for sure one of the leaders now. He's, you know, he's kind of, he comes in, does it the right way, gets his work done every day, always in the weight room, always trying to get better. You know, so I just, like, when I come up here, I just kind of follow him, see what he does, and just try to – try to mold to be a player like him. You brought up New Oakland in spring training, and everybody loves that, the young kids coming up together because we know we see that in certain organizations. What's it now like? I know Tyler just got sent down, but what is it like to have all you guys in the big league clubhouse looking around like we're finally here? It's it's just getting us for for the future, like you said. Like, like you know, the young guys are going to – like history repeats itself. So, you know, we had Chapman, Ole. Um, those guys. So, you know, I feel like we're the next group of that talent to come in, turn this organization around, you know, and win some more games and put some more banners up in center field. So that's the ultimate goal, you know, win games and win World Series. 
And for me, it always means something no matter what organization you're in. It means something when you get drafted by a team, get raised by that team, and you make your debut and play for that team. How did that feel? You know, that, that that's like the dream come true. You know, like when you get drafted, you never dream of being traded or anything. You meet, you dream of making it to the league with that team. So for me to, you know, go through them, get drafted by them out of high school, go through the minors, develop, and finally make it here is like, it's like a dream come true. You know, like, you know, especially out of high school, you really don't care where you go. You just want to play pro ball. Yeah. So, like, for me to make it with the team that drafted me, is it's an amazing feeling. Let me tell you this. We're over 6 million downloads on this show. We're, oh, wow. We're number one in baseball. So don't let that, don't let the attendance fool you. We got a ton of people <laughs> watching it, right? Okay. They've been so excited about you. They, they've talked about you. We've talked, I also do the post-game show after the game. We take the phone calls. There's been a lot of people waiting for you to get here, and they're absolutely thrilled you're here. Yeah, I mean, I just, I love the fan base. They've always showed me love on social media. You know, like spring training, the fans will always just make me feel at home. So, you know. We do have one of the best fan bases in baseball, regardless of what's going on outside of the sport right now. But, I mean, I love the A's fans, man. They're amazing. They they always bring in every game, so I'm having a lot of fun with them up here. Hopefully this is the first of many, many, many interviews. It's yeah. been a lot of fun to watch you play. Thank you. It's been great to meet you. You have Thank a great you. game tonight. And Thank uh, you. finish up strong. We will do. We will do. Go A's. And then future A's broadcaster. Hey, you never know. Be, looking, be out looking out for me. I'm ready. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts, anything you need for summer. They have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Uh, I want you to get, I think it's a perfect time. Get Theo Epstein ready. I think, it's, I think this is a perfect time. What you just heard was fabulous. I hope you really enjoyed that. And, and I tell you right now, I'm going to run that in the post-game show. I'm going to do it in the pre-game show. Because what you just heard from that kid, what you heard him just say about Geloff is what I'm about to play you. So I talk about all the time at night, you know, I'm a night guy. Some of you like to get up at crack of dawn and go work out and have your, you know, you meditate or you do your Pilates, whatever the hell you do in the morning. I'm sleeping. Uh, that's me. I, I meditate in the morning. Spencer, the dog, and I are sleeping. <laughs> get the kids out of the house. Get the wife out of the house. Spencer and I are out. And I, I, I traditionally like to just wake up. I don't have an alarm. I just wake up. Could be 9, 9.30, 10, who knows? I'm a nighttime guy. I stay up late. Do you realize they say some of the greatest minds and leaders in the history of our planet were all night owls? Yes. Winston Churchill was a night owl. I used to never sleep until I took this job. Now I sleep. Night owls, the great 
men and women of this world. Well, I'm a night owl, right? So I take a walk at night. I walk the dog. I like to have a cigar at night. It's a guilty pleasure that I have. So I was just thumbing around last night out in the park having a cigar, and this came up again. And I forgot about how good this was and how real this was. And it kind of ties in Lawrence Butler, kind of ties in what David Force said to us in the treehouse on Friday. Because I said to David about, you know, start talking about, oh, my God, it's exit velocity this and exit velocity that and barrels and blah, 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 blah. And in David's words said, I don't give about that crap once you're here. I'm about just production. Do you help us win games or not? And I was like, hallelujah. Thank God he said that because I totally agree. Well, one of the guys who was, you know, right after Moneyball, but really did Moneyball with money and was really good at it and someday will probably be in the Hall of Fame as an executive is Theo Epstein. Let me take you back because I forgot about this, but this is so good, and it makes me think of Lawrence Butler and Zach Geloff. And I'm going to tell you why it makes me think of it, but first, this is at Yale. This is at graduation. Theo Epstein, it's not very long, but he's talking about what he's learned and kind of how he's matured professionally. Early in my career, I used to think of players as, as assets, statistics on a spreadsheet I could use to project future performance and measure precisely how much they were going to impact our team on the field. I used to think of teams as portfolios, diversified collections of player assets, paid to produce up to their projections to ensure the organization's success. My head had been down. That narrow approach worked for a while, but it certainly had its limits. I grew and my team building philosophy grew as well. The truth, as our team proved in Cleveland, is that a player's character matters. The heartbeat matters. Fears and aspirations matter. The player's impact on others matters. The tone he sets matters. The willingness to connect matters. Breaking down clicks and overcoming stereotypes in the clubhouse matters. Who you are, how you live among others, that all matters. The youngest team in World Series history, six starters under the age of 25, they helped me get my head up. That is why, at the important moments in their lives, I'm going to keep telling my sons about the 2016 Cubs and that rain delay. And I'll remind them, when they are graduating college or starting a new job, heading off to grad school or beginning a new life somewhere foreign, that they have a choice. Very powerful. It's a man understanding that he was successful one way, but it wasn't sustainable. Like what we have seen, not sustainable. And the reality is the numbers do matter. Analytics do matter. Data does matter. There's not a company in the world that doesn't use some type of data to help them be successful. So if anybody ever tells you, ah, the data got, no, everybody uses data. And everybody has always used some form of data. Every business that's ever been in existence had some type form of data that they used to be successful. But what this did, what he did, was he started to realize that there is more to just data. That takes me to Lawrence Butler. 
That takes me to Zach Geloff. Guys that, that can come into the clubhouse. It's what you are as a person. It's how you prepare. It's how you are as a teammate. It's how you are as a communicator. That's why when we talk about we don't know how to build chemistry, we just don't know. There's, there, there's no number to put on it. But everything that he just said there is so right. How do we break down clicks? How, how, do we, how do we bond? How do we bond with people we don't like, but we still got to play with them and be successful with them? There's, there's so many things other than just like when Eno Saris comes on and says that he went to the convention, the analytics convention, and we joked and called it the winter meetings for nerds. It's like that stuff's important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And all of a sudden in our game, we tried to make it the end-all, be-all. Moneyball, can we replace Jason Giambi? No. No. Can we afford somebody to replace Jason Giambi? No. But what we can is we can do it in the aggregate, right? What was Jason Giambi's on base? Well, we get three guys. That, okay. In theory, that works. But how are all those human beings going to be once they get in your clubhouse, and is that going to play? We now have not 26. We now have 20. We now have not have 25. We have 26 guys. How are they going to play together? How are they going to bond together? You know, because one of the teams we bury today is the San Diego Padres. Do you know that the San Diego Padres, to this point, are still 10th in run differential? There's no way they should be as bad as they are, but they are. Yeah. They're 61 and 64. Why? Something's not working. Something's not working. The human beings together, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And that's why I wanted to play that. When you hear that Zach Geloff from Lawrence Butler says, listen, this guy, I get it all. The, I get all the stuff that he's doing. I understand that. I mean, but he's just got it. Zach Geloff's got it. What that is, I, it's, what, it's, it's who he is. It's his makeup. It's how he was raised. It's how he plays. It's how he treats people. It's how he builds relationships. It's how he understands his fellow players, whether he likes them personally or not. I, I mean, I'm sure Zach Geloff hasn't loved everybody he's played with, but he tries to make everybody better. Lawrence Butler, that's a kid with a great personality, super athletic. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got things you cannot teach. And everybody loves him. What we're doing is we're bringing in players, but we're bringing in players that you can build around. I know Tyler Soderstrom got sent down today, but Tyler Soderstrom will be back, and he will hit. This kid is a prodigy. It takes time. He is the one guy I will allow people to call a kid. I've finally been calling people out on this because I can't take it. I don't want to hear that 25-year-olds like, like Ruiz is young. He's not young. Maybe inexperienced, but he's not young. Luis Medina is now in the IL. He's 24 years old. He's had 400 innings in the minor leagues. He is not young. Maybe an experience, but he's not young. Point is, finding the right guys for the next wave of when this Oakland team is going to be key is so important, not only what they do from the spreadsheet standpoint, what they do on baseball reference, what they do with the advanced metrics, what they do, because let's face it, has anybody had a great batting average, a lot of home runs and RBIs, and not had good analytics? Mm, no. 
So whether you want old, you want new, if you're you're Willie Mays, you're going to have both, right? Bottom line, you'll be both. Like you always bring up, who is the if you look at the leaderboard and everything, who always is the leader in everything? It's Babe Ruth, <laughs> right? No matter how everybody wants to shake it down, who's a career leader in war? Babe Ruth. I mean, you just go, who's a career leader in weighted, weighted runs created plus? Uh, Babe Ruth. I, he's the leader in everything. <laughs> I think he's the highest OPS ever. I mean, come on. It's I thought it's Barry Bonds, but I mean, they're like one, two, and everything. Everybody wants to. It's not going to be Jim Tomei, okay? It's not going to be any of that. Jack Cust, your analytic darling, is not taking down Babe Ruth. <laughs> Derek Barton's analytics are not taking down Babe Ruth, okay? Not happening. What's his batting average balls put in play is Babbitt. Babe Ruth is king. He's king. How it works. I never looked at his Babbitt. I wonder what it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Someone look up Babe Ruth's Babbitt. Hey, give me please. the career Babbitt leaders. Who's number one? Who's number one career Babbitt? If that comes out, Babe Ruth, I'm walking off the show. Um, but that, I thought that was a great tie-in. I knew I wanted to play that today. I just didn't know when we were going to be able to do that. But that, that was great because you listen to Lawrence Butler and you go, "I like this kid," and I just don't like him because he's ours. He could be playing for anybody. He could be playing for the Royals. You'd go, you know what? This guy, six three. Whatever he is, two something, two ten, two fifteen. Two ten, I think it's set on baseball reference. I mean three forty. Three forty for Babe Ruth. Who's number one? Their effort. I mean, they have a laptop in their lap all day long. You think they'd figure stuff out faster. Dan Patrick guys and Chris uh, Rich Eisen's guys get it like that. Our research staff, we need to work on that. Who? No, 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 no. All, all, time. all time. No look. Who did he say? Bryce current? Harper has the highest for current players. It's like, what was it, 377? 377 for Bryce. That's pretty good. Well, Babe Ruth 340. I mean, we're, we'll get the all time. It, like Babe Ruth, if Harper's 377, I mean, it's pretty. He always has a good. I mean, even when he's not hitting home runs, he still hit, puts the ball in play. Rod Carew. Oh, the great Rod Carew. <laughs> four, four away. Wow. <laughs> what are you, seven batting titles, Rod Carew? Yeah, that sounds about right. MVP. Tony had eight. Boggs had like five or six. It's 400. It's bat Balls put in play batting average. Babbitt. Rod Carew was over 400. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not. Do you remember watching Rod Carew? I saw, yes, what the highlight. Yeah, the, the, I mean, remember I was when he would have been playing. Oh, he's probably he, done by the time. Yeah, you if, if he wasn't, it was when he was playing for the California Angels. Yes, I was a. <laughs> for me, Rod Carew was a California Angel. He was not. And well, you talk about versatility. He played all over the place. Played second. Played first. When he won the MVP, he was in first. Played in the outfield. Stole home all the time. Rod Carew's one. We've had Rod Carew on the show. Friend of the program. God. What was that? That was. Uh, we had the book come out. Is it 21 we had him on? I mean, when people ask me about that stuff, I always go, my favorite guy that under the radar, great pitcher in the 60s, 70s, 80s, Louis Tion. We had Louis Tion on this program. <laughs> I took a picture. Have I told the story about going to Target Field with Brent Musburger? Yes. Where I had Brent Musburger take a picture of me with the great Rod Carew. We had just had Rod Carew on. And can you imagine? But no one knows, right? They're like, trust when we got in the game, we were mobbed because once people found out Brent Musburger was there. But Brent Musburger's taking a picture of me, and I'm up with Rod Carew, the statue of Target Field. I need to get there. I heard that stadium's great. Oh, it's incredible. Except yeah. for April and May when it's still snowing. Yeah, it's cold. 
Yeah, mid Midwest, no joke. Upper Midwest, extremely no. Like when I got to do a game at Lambeau Field, it was seventy degrees. I knew I was lucky. Oh, that's that is pretty warm. We were walking around shorts for two days. Well, this had to be early in the season. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, yeah. This wasn't December, or November. It was right before the start of fall. It was a nice, and you know they were all laughing. Boy, man, you guys lucked out. Because you can be in the frozen tundra. I, by the way, just real quick on the Raiders side, one of my friends is a Raider fan, and he goes, hey, I know it's preseason, but Raiders look good. I'm like, oh, gosh. Jimmy G looked good last week first. Huh? Jimmy G? I don't can't know. even believe I'm rooting for Jimmy G. I used to rip Jimmy G to all my Niner buddies. Now I'm like, the Disney Prince is now in Vegas. Hey, all I know is small hands Kenny Pickett, week one against the 49ers. He's thrown two incompletions in – Preseason, just throwing it out there. What's, what's right? Wait, Alex Smith, you got small hands? Oh, I think his hands are smaller than Alex Smith. Don't matter. You don't want to be that guy. Can he pick it? Can he, can can he, he sneak it? Can he stick it, lick <laughs> it? Uh, but by, back, back to the whole. No, no more Babbitt talk? There's a great book, Vince Lombardi, When Character Matters. When character, character matters, man. It matters. How people view you, how people play with you, how people work with you. Character. And that's what Theo, you know, you know, that's where and, – and you know what? That's kind of got thrown – I mean, Billy Bean understands that. And the A's got to cut – the A's kind of got thrown down to the bus where they act like they didn't care about people. That's not fully true knowing Billy all these years. And it's definitely not true because David will tell you, of course it does matter. You know, and, and this new – I mean, when they knew they had Billy Butler and Danny Valencia problems, they knew, like, uh, this ain't going to, you know. Yeah, ever since I've been here and even prior to that, there's always been good high-character guys in the in the clubhouse. I mean, we never heard any issues. Even now, with the team with 34 wins, there's still a lot of guys. In, I mean, Jace Peterson told Ryan Spielberg, as we talked about the other day, he told Spilly that it's a great clubhouse. All those guys in there are great. So, I mean, even with 34 but, wins. but Hey, let me tell you something. Great clubhouses still need to win. We still are, yes. we we still are in the business of winning and losing. That's, so that's everybody true. can like each other and have barbecues and sing kumbaya, but if you lose, that doesn't matter. Did you see in the MLB notes today when they were talking about the uh, was it in the MLB notes? I saw it somewhere about how the Red Sox after they swept the Yankees, it was the most lively the clubhouse has been all season in Boston after they swept the Yankees this weekend. Yankees are one and nine against the Red Sox this year. That's one not good. and nine. Coming up next. Run differential. It's a pretty simple deal, right? You go to MLB.com, you look at the standings, you see where your team is, wins, losses, how many games out, how many games out of the wild card. You see how many games you, how many you give up, how many you score, run differential. I mean, it's all right there on the line. It's a pretty simple stat. Billy Bean, speaking of our own Billy Bean, always told me it's a big deal. And I was like, really? Is it a big deal? Well, we're going to check now. The top 10 run differentials. How's it working in 2023? Right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better. All thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. 
A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Sometimes in this world, you just have to call things out. And we're watching behind us. Well, actually, they can't. Oh, they're not doing it anymore. They were taking infield, the Kansas City Royals, which I absolutely love. And what always I've always talked about the thing that is special about the Rays is how hard they work. And they take infield before every single game. And it's one of the reasons why they are fundamentally so good and so tough to beat. Because they don't beat themselves. They don't give away outs. They don't give away 90 feet. They're fundamentally sound. And what did you say, Cody, the reason why? Uh, Quattaro is a uh, Rays, former Rays guy. And then you really said something that was just bad that I think you now either you're going to double down on it or you're going to say, you know what, maybe I misspoke. Um, I, I think Kevin Cash will receive us for manager of the no, year. No, that's not what you said. I said he could win manager of the year. I think you said probably. I mean, McClanahan, F, uh, not, well, F was hurt for a little bit, but uh, Bass, Rasmussen, now. Uh, Springs, uh, Wanda Franco situation. And I said, are you, are you, are you high? Are you high? Uh, no, I don't do drugs. There is no way Kevin Cash is winning the manager of the year in the American League. No way. First of all, Bruce Bochy is going to win that easily. Easily. I mean, your bias for the Rays is so unbelievable. And then I start thinking about it. Scott Service, the way Seattle's playing. How about Dusty Baker? But see, he, he won't because Brandon Hyde from Santa Rosa, friend of the program. You don't think the guy who's leading the Baltimore Orioles over Kevin Cash, over the Yankees, over the Red Sox, making the this Orioles team all of a sudden a juggernaut is not going to get more votes I don't than know. Cash? I don't know. Baseball writers? You don't know. You honestly are, don't know. He might. They won 83 games last year, though, so it's not like they came from winning 55. So wait a minute. You're saying Cash, who was in the playoffs last year. Dusty Baker won the World Series, and you said him. I get – well, that's kind of, but I just but, said he but, won't. I know, but – I'm saying – Tino won 83 games. You're comparing that to what Tampa did last year? Well, no, I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about this year. No, they won 83 games last year. Brandon Hyde yes. has them atop the division. Yes. I just think Cash will get votes, and he could win manager of the year. That's all I said. In my opinion, he could be wrong. That's fine. I'm fine with it. I think you, you think I think you said he was gonna win it, and then I start bringing these names. Well, out. then I forgot Bochi. And then yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I still think Cash. Cash Look will at it back up. You went off the mic. He's like, yeah, Cash. Cash could probably win the manager of the year again. You fraud. No, he's not. Bruce Bochi's gonna win it. And you know what? what it may not, Mar- even, may not even be Bochi. Probably could be Brandon Hyde. My, what if what if the Mariners and Astros pass the Rangers, and they finish with a wild card spot? I think he'll still win it, but. Brandon Hyde. Yeah, probably be Hyde. Well, what if the Rays win the division? I still think Brandon Hyde. Well, you know who's not winning it? Cash. Aaron, Aaron Boone. Ooh, wow. <laughs> now, now I'm, I'm trying to bring you to your, your, uh, your um, what you were talking about, uh, run differential. Oh, run, run differential. Different. All right. These are the top ten run differentials. For people, if you think run, di- run differential is something that you should look at. Number one in run differential is Atlanta. They're pretty good. Number two is Texas. Uh, they're pretty good. Number three is Tampa. Having a good year. 
Number four is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, oh I thought you were going to say the Angels. Dodgers pretty good. Number five is Houston. Good year. Number six is Baltimore. Good year. Number saw them. Number seven is Seattle. They've extremely hot. Julio Rodriguez slumping a little bit, but they're, they're, they're doing well. Number eight is Chicago. Cubs. Which side? North side. North side. <laughs> they're fighting for a wild card. Number nine, Toronto. They got who number 10 is. Padres. Number 10 is the Padres. What's their? I didn't look. I haven't They're looked. 59 and 66. Well, hold on. You know what we do on this program. We're big fans of expected no. win-loss record. Well, their record is 59 and 66. Well, according to MLB standings, the Padres' uh, expected win-loss record would be 59 and 60, uh, 69 and 56. That's a 10-game improvement. Haven't won an extra innings and are have the worst record in one-run games. But the top nine teams in run, in run differential, they all are in the playoffs or right in the playoff hunt. What does that tell you? It's a pretty simple stat. What do I score and what do I give up? It's that yeah, simple. Yeah. What do I score and what do I give up? And how often do I blow teams out? And Atlanta is just unbelievable. So I'm talking dealing with the Royals. They said they're trying to grab Harney's out running in the outfield. You know what you could tell? I can move him. I, I we don't need I don't think we need him. Say so maybe try for tomorrow. Well their their message was he's currently running at right field. He knows we're after him, so hopefully he's done soon and I'll get him over to you. Well, we're running into a problem. What Roxy knows. I would say just reschedule them or just. I'll, 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 let me deal with this. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I saw today that I thought was super interesting, and I got a chance off the air to talk to David Force about this. For the first time, and I think what we're really going to start to see down the stretch here, is we're going to really start to see uh, the Shohei Otani talk about contracts. And I saw a conversation about it today. And the amount of money that could be out there for Shohei Otani, I just I, I want to get ahead of this before anybody else because we're going to start investigating this. I do not believe this is something a front office can deal with alone. This is something far bigger than that. I think you have to realize the amount of money that he is worth to you from domestic to international money. It's like a player we've never seen. He is truly the first international superstar we've ever had in baseball. I mean, am I, am I right saying that? Have we ever had an international baseball star? This guy's like an international sensation. Yeah, uh, I mean, Ichiro was good, but I don't think he's nowhere near the level that, that he's nowhere near the level Otani is. And then Ichiro was big. I'm giving his due, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But I'm talking about an international star to where it's beyond just Japan and America. Like, a lot of people worldwide know who has shot. And part is kind of like what Jordan did. Well, it's kind of like Bird Magic. Bird Magic came along. David Stern used what they did in college, and the fact that one went to Boston, one went to L.A., made that the centerpiece of the league, and then signed a big TV deal with, with CBS and changed the NBA forever. 
A lot of people may not know this, but the NBA Finals used to be on tape delay. Not anymore once you got Bird Magic in the league. Then Jordan shows up, and then as Jordan starts to take over the league from Bird Magic, now we've got 20, you know, ESPN is blown up. Now SportsCenter is a completely different animal than it used to be. Um, and then before you know it, the Internet starts to come around. So everything, guys just always show up at the right time. And Shohei Otani is truly showing up at the right time when we are able to watch games anywhere, anytime, any type of device. I asked David Force about this going, and this was off the air because we were going to talk about from the A situation, but I was like, how much help would a front office need? You're going to need to bring in some consultants. You're going to need people that understand international business how you're going to sell him, who you're going to sell him to, how do you project that, what do you think the sales are? Because you can say, okay, how does he affect my ticket base? How does he affect merch? How does he affect this kind of stuff? But the advertising dollars that we know that he has the ability to bring in, it really is fascinating. And that leads me to this. What percentage of your payroll do you want to have on one guy? What do you think the numbers should be? You got 26 guys, you got a payroll, you make a pie chart. How much of the pie, the entire pie, a sliver of pie, do you want one player to be? The percentage of your payroll, what's healthy? Well, you don't want majority of your payroll being so one guy, I don't know. Um, but majority of the, well, I can't even say the Yankees with Judge because they have Car- John Carlo and Yankee, Cole. Yan- uh, Judge actually takes up quite a bit. Um, I would say maybe under 20%. Well, there, there's no one above 20. Okay, so 10? Trout right now is your leader in the clubhouse at percentage of team payroll. He makes up 16.7% of the team's payroll. Now you might think, whoa, wait a minute, my God. Well, Corey Seager, look how the Rangers are playing this year. Corey Seager, Seager is just below him at 16.6%. Followed by Judge at 14.4. I guess this will start to get more of a realistic level. Mookie Betts is 13.7 of the Dodgers payroll. Manny Machado is 12.8. Bryce Harper seems the one that is really manageable at 10.5%. Uh, our good friend Roxy is here, just to give you a heads up. Is he early? No, he's supposed to be five fifteen. I moved Hearn, so. When are you gonna do Hearn? Uh, he said I told him maybe tomorrow we could try it. Okay. Well, are we going to Williamsport, Pennsylvania? Uh. Where is? I think Roxy's home. Already. Roxy's home already. I'm well, hometowny. I flew back today. I just realized I can't see you when I'm here. Like I am at home, I can see you. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. just I just see myself. So I was wondering. Roxy's here. Where is he? So I'll just have to act like I see you, Roxy. Hi, Chris. I'm waving at you right now. How you doing, Roxy? I'm great. You when, know, I had a fun weekend going back to Williamsport. When did you get back? Uh, probably about an hour and a half ago. So, you know, it's not necessarily easy getting in and out of Williamsport, Pennsylvania, as Cody could probably attest to. But it was fun. It was first time I've ever been there, and I thoroughly enjoyed my experience. So all the different things and all the different sports you have worked, 
Little League World Series, I mean, it's kind of like the essence of, of where it all starts for young baseball players. How do you compare everything you've done to the Little League World Series? Well, it's funny because I was talking to Rob Thompson, the Phillies manager, yesterday before the game at historic Bowman Field, the Sunday night game. And just the reaction when they walked into the stadium on Sunday after they flew in and they went straight to the ballpark to watch the team from Media Pennsylvania play. And it just lifted everybody up. And the, the media team was losing at the time. The Phillies walk in, there's Trey Turner, Bryce Harper. They're cheering for the team. That's All of a awesome. Sudden, yeah. Rally time, right? Yeah. And it just seemed to lift everybody up. And Rob was telling me, it, it took me to the grassroots. This is what baseball is about. It's not a business. It's just kids playing for the love of the game and what baseball is. And he just soaked it all in. He'd never been there before. He was there with the Phillies, but he didn't go to the Little League World Series the last time because he had some work to do and he was just, you know, the hitting coach at the time with the Phillies. But he thoroughly enjoyed it. I talked to Trey Turner before the ball game yesterday, the impact that it had on him. These guys ate it up. And they were just in awe, as much in awe of the kids as the kids were of them in the major leaguers yesterday. All right, so just what is it like? Because you know Rosenblatt, how they've cha- they got rid of Rosenblatt. They built the new stadium for the College World Series. The whole town, it's big business. It was always big, but now it's big business, the College World Series. Is it similar to that? What's the town like? What's the vibe like? Take us through. There are some similarities. Williamsport, Chris, is a, is a much smaller town than Omaha. But the way that community in the city embraces the event, um, they have the stadium, which is nestled up at the base of the foothills. And they don't use it for anything other than the Little League World Series every year. Like, for example, the Williamsport Little League doesn't play there uh, when they have their regular season games. They have another park in which they play at. Now, there's a museum there in town. But the way this community takes so much pride in hosting this event making it a great experience, not just for the locals, but for the people coming in from wherever in the world, whether it's Chinese Taipei, whether it's a team from Canada, from Africa, they embrace everybody. They set it up like it's almost like an Olympic village in terms of only the baseball players stay in these dorms that are specifically for this. Now, there's some chaperones there, too. Yeah. But... They make a whole spectacle of this thing, and they really take pride in the event there in Williamsport. And I got to tell you, Chris, sneaky good food town, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Believe I'm sho- it or not. I'm shocked by that. I, I was too. But I'm telling you, on, on my honor, I'm telling you, we found I had a great Italian meal one night, and I was there. It was just a fabulous experience. Sneaky good food town, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I'm serious. I think about all these kids, and it's just, you know, majority of them won't go on to play, maybe even high school, after high school, whether it's pro ball, college. Just this experience for the families, because these are communities. These are all-star teams from communities. These people all know each other. They, the families grow together. I just, just from that aspect of it, when you see a team show up, and they're from different parts of the country and then different parts of the world, just how cool is that? And it shows you also how small the world is, especially in baseball. And Kevin Stocker, who does the radio with the Phillies, the former shortstop, 
uh, was my partner on Pac-12 Network for some baseball games, the former University of Washington star. Um, but Kevin and I were talking, all of a sudden, the, the Seattle team is parading onto the field, and the coach and Kevin hadn't seen each other in like 30 years. And wow. the coach of the Seattle team actually was two years behind Kevin at Washington. And then they caught up. And it just goes to show you that the circles are really small. And you never know who you're going to come across and see these from somebody from your past, like Kevin Stocker had yesterday with the coach of the Seattle Little League team. That is awesome. By the way, I, I hate to do this, but I have to because – You've just jarred my memory of something I want. Can I, permission to take a cheap shot? Can I take a cheap shot? You were going to take it anyways, even if I said no. So that, go ahead. That is fact. You know what? You know what you and I have in common. I'm afraid to ask, Chris. Uh, neither we'll never see either of our universities in the Rose Bowl. Um, I'm still trying to come to grips with that, Chris. Can, can it's too soon. It's still too, too soon. soon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's, it's still hey, too soon. Hey, you know, it's going to be great when you're in the Mountain West against San Jose State and San Diego State and Fresno State and Boise State. Come on down. Come to the Mountain West, my friend. Come on in. I can't, I can't wait for the Albuquerque trips, Chris. Open, open arms. Come on into that old <laughs> conference you used to kick. I cannot wait. Don't bother me. I'm climbing Whoa. the mountain. <laughs> Don't bother me. I'm almost getting drilled in the head. Um, Kyle, by the way, projected that five wins according to ESPN. No, Roxy. I mean, Roxy knows. I'm taking the over, Cody. I'm taking the over, Commander. I, I, I grew up watching Pac-10. You know, for us, it was Pac-10. Yeah. I know it was Pac-6, Pac-8. It's eight. so sad. But, yeah, it's sad. I mean, I grew up – I've been to four Rose Bowls. I grew up a, 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 a fan of watching USC football, watching UCLA when I was a kid, you know, growing up in Southern California. So, it's uh, – it's it's absolutely horrific. But back to baseball, you want to talk about horrific? I buried three teams. I buried a couple teams today. Was I, the I'm, Yankees one of them? Yes. I'm tired of talking about the Padres. I'm tired of talking about the Angels. I'm tired of talking. About, they're done. They're done. I, I don't want. From here on out, we're only focusing on teams that matter. Uh, the Yankees. Rock. I had them on Saturday, Chris. They were so awful against the Red Sox on what? Saturday. The, the, since June fourth. Now remember, August first last year. All right, year to year. August 1st last year, the record was 70 and 34. They were a juggernaut as of last year, August 1st. Now, look at this year from June 4th to today, they're 24 and 39. The lineup looks terrible. The lineup looks old. They're hurt. You were there. They're 1 and 9 against Boston this year. Roxy, this is it. After today, we don't talk Yankees. They're done. It's not worth our time. And Saturday, you think, all right, this is the day the streak ends. They had Garrett Cole pitching, and they had a closed-door meeting after they lost the game Friday night. And Aaron Boone, talking to him Saturday morning, Chris, about the meeting that he had with the team, he just wanted to reinforce to the guys, this is why you're playing the game. It's not about the money. It's about the love of the game, and you love this sport from a young age. It's no different now than it was back then, and just tried to reinforce their love for the game. And then they went out and they laid an absolute stinker. And they took some horrible at-bats. Look, Carter Crawford's a good major league pitcher. But if you saw some of the at-bats and the swings the Yankees took, you would have thought they were facing Spencer Strider, or Blake Snell, or even Sandy Koufax back in the day. I mean, it, they took some putrid at-bats against the Red Sox and some bonehead plays. And 
Arias and Connor Wong homered against Crawford or against Cole. It was just a, a microcosm of the way the Yankees are going right now. And they have some serious issues to address in the offseason. You mentioned they're getting old and they're hurt. If you look at the numbers from Giancarlo Stanton from the last All-Star game up until now, he's hitting well below 200. And they're stuck with that contract for a number of years. But he's not alone, Chris. DJ LeMayhew looks like he's done. Uh, Aaron Judge is the only one and a little bit of Torres that have life. And I think Volpe is going to be a good player. But they are searching right now, and they have some serious issues to address in the offseason. And I don't envy the position that Brian Cashman is in, and, and if he stays as the GM of the Yankees. And I, I, I feel bad for Aaron Boone. That's your Chris, guy. He, That's your guy. Booney didn't assemble this roster. He didn't. He. This is the roster that was provided for him. And it's just not a very good roster. It, plain and simple. Even though their bullpen's been good, but their starting pitching's been awful. They have bad contracts. Rodon has been an abomination. Uh, Nestor Cortez has been in and out of the off the injured list this year. This is a team that's really in trouble right now. All right, let's talk about teams that matter. Uh, two teams... I want to bring up, because you were just with the Phillies and you're just with the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the Red Sox. Huge sweep for them at Yankee Stadium. Are you believing in Boston down the stretch here to get into the playoffs? I'm going to say no, Chris, because if you look at their schedule, it's really hard. They still have two series with Houston, in addition to playing seven with Baltimore, five with Tampa Bay. Um they still have a series with the Dodgers. It's a very tough landscape for them to try to, to navigate through. So, look, I think they're a good team. I think they fall short. I don't think they get in because I just I, – I, I think they're overachieving right now, Chris, and I just think the schedule is too tough for Boston to get there. Will the Phillies track down the Atlanta Braves? Um, No. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the limb, Chris. I'm gonna really drive for this one. No, but they're, they're the, not. But they're the but, top, they're the top wild card. They're in a good spot. Yeah, and and again, as I, I mentioned my conversation with Rob Thompson yesterday, he said we're in the same position we were in a year ago. We got off to a horrible start. Since early June, they have the second best record in baseball behind the Braves. Now they what there was not a managerial change like there was with the Phillies a year ago. But Trey Turner's starting to play a lot better. Um, he's feeling more comfortable. They're getting healthier. The addition of Lorenzen, I think, helps out their pitching staff. Um, so I, they're not going to catch Atlanta, but you're right. They're in a good spot. They're more than likely going to host a wild card series. And they went to the World Series last year, and there's no reason that the Phillies can't get hot again when you've got Wheeler and Nola at the top of your rotation. Uh, Suarez is coming back. Now Lorenzen. I, I think the Phillies are going to be a contender. If somebody's going to knock off the Braves, it could be the Phillies or the, you know, obviously the Dodgers. Well, you had Bryce Harper there rooting on the Little Leaguers, and I can't tell you how many times looking in the notes, Bryce Harper has Bryce Harper hasn't homered next amount of games. It's just like every where where do you think he is coming back? Where do you think he is health wise? First baseman, Bryce Harper, That's by correct, the way. Yeah. Who actually looked okay at first base. It's still a work in progress. He, he's trying to figure it out at the major league level, which is not easy. And 
He still has some issues throwing. The other day, he overshot third base by a mile on a throw across the diamond. But he's he's still a force. Is he the power threat that he was years ago or two years ago when he was the MVP? I don't know right now. He, he's still trying to regain that form. But you certainly have to respect him. But you look at that lineup, Chris, with him. You got Castellanos. uh the, the way that the, the Real Muto, the way they can swing the bats, Stott, Trey Turner coming on. I mean, Schwarber's an interesting case study, right? When he's hitting like a buck 80, but he leads off, and he's one of those on-base percentage guys. His on-base percentage is about 330. It's still interesting that they keep him in the leadoff spot despite that low batting average. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score. Actually, Harper has gone deep against the Giants. Trey Turner has two hits. Uh, Schwarber is over two batting at buck 81. Currently in the top of the sixth inning, the Phillies lead the Giants. A very interesting series, Cody. The uh, Phillies are up six to two. Harper inside the park home run. It was an inside the park. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter if it leaves. Jorge Mateo will tell you that yeah. yesterday. Inside the park. I just got the notification. And it's, and it's funny. Rob Thompson knew the series with the Giants was coming. Yeah. That's why Real Muto got the night off last night because he didn't want him playing six games in a row. So he rested him last night on Sunday Night Baseball to have him ready to go for all three games against the Giants because he's a guy that wants to be in there every day. He leads the National League in games caught. And it's interesting how they finagled the lineup knowing the Giants were coming, and this is a team they could possibly see in the playoffs. Yeah, these games right now, I mean, because obviously uh, Philly and San Francisco are the top two teams. Cubs hanging in there. And then right behind them, Torrey Lovello, and the and uh, the D-backs, the Cincinnati Reds, and then a very interesting series for Miami against San Diego. So when you look at Miami, Cincy, Arizona, Cubs, they're all vying for that final spot. But you know what? The San Francisco Giants have not been playing well. No, they have not. And there's no reason they can't get caught with the schedule that they have looming for them as well. And they got to find a way to turn it around. You're right. The, I think the Giants are leaking oil a little bit. They got to get this thing figured out because they're pressing right now. This is not a good series for them. Then they host the Braves next weekend. So there's opportunities for the teams like the Cubs and the Reds and the Marlins to make a push. And I know you're ready to write off San Diego. I'm like you, Chris. I keep waiting for it, right? It's, it's over. It's over. I guess at this point, you're, you're August 21st. What was the line from Dennis Green back in the day? We you are. are what your record says you are. Crown them. That's the Padres, right? I mean, they, they have Soto and Machado and, oh, my gosh, and Hassan Kim has been phenomenal for them and Snell. Yeah. They, they, this, this team shouldn't be where they're at, but unfortunately they are. They have to be the most maddening team in baseball. That was one of the greatest post-game conference. And we let them off the hook. Crown them. <laughs> that was uh, Arizona against the Bears, right? The Bears on Monday Night Football. <laughs> Hey, listen, Padres, after losing three or four to Arizona, I mean, I I can go over some. I mean, like, pitching has really saved the Padres because when you look at hitting, like, just look at at lately. You got Juan Soto's hitting a buck 35 with a 429 OPS last 14 games. Fernando Tatis hitting 226. It's just, Roxy, there's just times when it just doesn't work. Right? You spend the and, money, you go for it, it just doesn't work. Whatever, I mean, they have the 10th best, 10th best run differential in baseball, but it's just, it doesn't work. 
the, the parts don't fit. And even though they have all-star caliber players when you look around, but for some reason, they don't work together. And you and I, there, there's no bigger fans of Bob Melvin yeah. than you and I. Sad. And Bo Mel's not the problem. He's not. There, there are bigger issues in San Diego. Um, and they've had some injuries too, but, and certainly the Tatis Circus, but it, they are the most maddening team in baseball. It's frustrating to watch. And every time you think, Chris, and I keep buying in, right? They get hot. They win seven out of nine. You're going, okay, here it comes. The Padres, this is what we've been waiting for. And then you talk about they drop three out of four of the Diamondbacks, and it's <clears throat> Yeah, at some point you are what you are. And I'm not ready to jump off because I'm not believers of the teams in front of them, but they have to figure this thing out in the next week or so. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's a team that has done that, because there was all these teams that are supposed to be better than who they are, and they just, you know, we just talked about the Yankees. Never happened. You're not buying into the Red Sox, right? There's certain teams just say, yeah, it's the Mariners who have come on strong. It's the Mariners who have actually said, you know what? We are going to get it into another gear and going to take this into another gear. And you start looking at the Mariners, and they're now – they. I mean, it's only a half-game lead over Toronto, but, you know, if it ends – doesn't end right now, but if it did, they're in. So they've played themselves as of right now, August 21st, into the playoffs. And these are the exciting races, and maybe just for the third wild card spot in each league, to be honest with you. Okay, the NL Central has some attraction to it because the Cubs are relevant again. They're right there with the Brewers and the Reds. Um, but there's no drama in the NL West or the NL East. There's no drama really in the AL Central, although – you know, the Twins lead with over the Guardians are kind of hovering in the race. But the AL East race will be interesting because when you look at the metrics for the Orioles, and I know the O's were just there. Yeah, impressive. Something doesn't add up, right? I mean, they're, they're overachieving. That the numbers tell you they shouldn't be doing what they're doing, yet they're doing it. And... With this whole Tampa Bay situation and Wander Franco and, and the injuries to the pitching staff, the, the NL East race is still going to be interesting. And I guess that's why you can't count out Boston, even though they're so far back in that race. But it's it, – I, I, I'm anxious to see how Baltimore handles the month of September with the target on their back. And then what's going to happen with Tampa Bay? What's your schedule like coming up? College football right around the corner, as you know, week zero, San Jose State at USC. Well, I'll be dialed in to the Spartans against the Trojans. But so I'm off baseball next weekend. It's uh, my, my last weekend before football starts. So I'm taking the weekend off because I'm going to kill myself the following weekend. I've got a Thursday, August 31st, Arizona State's opener. Um, then Saturday, I'll have Oregon's opener. Then fly through L.A. and red-eye it to Houston for Sunday night baseball. Have the Yankees and the Astros. And then after that game, I'll drive from Houston to Arlington for a game the next day, the Astros and the Rangers. Let's so, go. Football and baseball go. season. Best time of the, the year. Rest of the weary. Yeah, you get the rest what of your I life do. to sleep. Don't be soft. And then the following week, we'll, have a real bar- we'll, we'll probably have a real barn burner on Sunday night baseball, let me tell you. What's that going to be? I think it's. I think it's going to be the Guardians and oh. the Angels. Oh, they're going to say Yankees, Red Sox, it, but that's what it sounded like it's going to be. All I know is 
I will be at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum when we go down to historic USC and we end Lincoln Riley's last year and USC's last year in the Pac-12. We ruin it week zero, upset of the year, San Jose State, put it on your calendar, book it. What did Tony Bruno used to call a lead pipe lock? We are going (laughs) down and beating the Trojans and shocking the college football world. I'd love nothing more. You know that. I will be there. And you'll be cheering for me. And Delaire, Delaire gave me the day off. Thank you, Delaire. And I will be flying down that day and ready Barton to up. rock. Ready? We're having a big tailgate before. Can they cover the 30 and a half? Cover? We're winning. <laughs> oh, they won it outright. We're All right. winning outright. What do you think? I was just talking about the cover? <laughs> Remember when Stanford went down and shocked the world against Pete Carroll in the USC? Was what, that 27? Was he like a 40-point dog? I thought it was like 27 and a half. No, it was more than that. Wasn't Pritchard the quarterback then? Tavita Pritchard was the quarterback, and Richard Sherman was on that Stanford team. Well, look it up. Biggest cup, bi- biggest, biggest spread. It's one of the biggest upsets in the history of college football. I, I believe Stanford was a 40-point, somewhere right around 40-point dog. Will this be the greatest win mankind has ever seen? Uh, I wouldn't go that far, Chris. Will this be the greatest college? David B. Goliath, I think that was a pretty significant upset. But it's pretty big. <laughs> We're... 41 points, our crack staff is telling me, Roxy. 41. 41, see? All right, well, maybe it'll be the second greatest victory in the history of sports. This will be bigger than the United States beating the Russians in Olympic hockey. Do you believe in miracles? the gold medal game, Chris. The U.S. still had to win another game. I understand it, but we still think of that as the biggest game. They, They had to beat Finland. Oh, that was that was no. Come on, they were, you knew they were going to beat Finland. You had to beat the Russians. You had to beat the Russians to get there. Well, yeah, but then you had to beat Finland too because they didn't beat Finland. They weren't getting it. No one even hey. remembers Finland if the, who hey. they had. Name was Solani walking through that door, Chris. Oh my! Great don't be bringing your Thank Anaheim you. Duck love onto this program. Uh, but by the way, according to Bleacher uh, Report, biggest upset in cultural history was USC losing to Stanford number two. Appalachian State versus Michigan, 2007. What was that? At the big house, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it has a spread on here. Uh, so now I'm saying this is only going to be the third. They were grade. they were 27 point underdogs. Oh, no. At Appalachian State, at the time, Commander Cody, they were not an FBS team. They were still in the FCS. I'm not letting you guys. This is going to be the greatest. We're going to look back and say. Where were you on August 26, 2023? The day Caleb Williams was on my television, and your coach is going to give me – it's blow up my phone about how disloyal I am because I didn't go. Hey, uh, Williams, a quarterback down there, um, uh, my buddy says he's on every other commercial in Los Angeles. You think he's, making any, you think he's making any money? It's good when you're QB1 at USC, isn't it? Well, uh, I mean, that that's the thing. You can't go to the NFL because if you if you left USC, you'd be taking a pay cut. Exactly. <laughs> Just saying. All right, you buddy. Not wrong. I hope all is well. We miss you here at the at the Collie. Things are good, man. I'm busy, but good. You know, it's been a good run. I've seen a lot of good baseballs around the Braves last weekend. Are they any good? Uh, yeah, that lineup not bad. Not bad. I, the only thing that worries me about them is their pitching. That's the only thing that concerns me. Because, but that off that lineup and their defense is phenomenal. That's the other thing. But here's the thing: how many times have we seen the offensive juggernaut go in and not win the World Series? 
Yeah, but, but Freed just came back. We'll see where he's at. Soroka's now back as well. Str- um, Strider's going to go four innings, strike everybody out, and then they got to pull him out during the playoffs. So I'll face a 300. I mean, and, and, and their bullpen is a bit shaky. I don't know how I feel about race. Uh-oh. And could this be the year that everybody thought the Dodgers are going to lay low, get under the one luxury tax? Next thing you know, the Dodgers. You know, here's the thing. You want to compare the Yankees and the Dodgers? Hey, you want to go up against Lance Lynn in the playoffs right now? The The great Lance Lynn? I I saw him against the Padres. (laughs) We were talking to Dave Roberts, and Dave was telling us they saw some mechanical flaws in him, and when they targeted him from the White Sox, they felt they could make some adjustments, and they clearly saw something that changed Lance Lynn because he has been dynamic since he's gotten there. But like the Braves, I have questions, especially with the Dodgers bullpen. Phillips is great, but out of the after that, what do you got? And I don't know how much faith and trust I have in that bullpen, to be honest with you. All righty. We will talk to you soon, my friend. Keep your phone on. It's always on. You know me, Chris. Take care, Roxy. The great Roxy Birdstein, ESPN. And that is one of the arts in baseball that we don't talk about is – team's ability to look at other players and say, you know what, if we got player X and brought him here, we can make him better. We knew the Astros were really good at that. Tampa's been good at that. L.A.'s been good at that. Kike, Jason Hayward, I mean, now Lance Lynn. I mean, they've been good at bringing other people's players in, saying, you know what, we can tweak this, tweak that, and that, that's where you look at the true advantages some R&D departments have over others. So you're saying it's not all Mark Pryor? Oh, wow. The, speaking of another failed USC <laughs> Trojan. No, they're, they're – But think about what, what – because uh, Pittsburgh is just an awful city with a bad franchise and bad everything. They took Garrett Cole in, Houston did, and they changed him. Made him the Garrett Cole he is today. He was still good in Pittsburgh, but he's not – wasn't yeah, as good. Wasn't the same. Like, so is that, I mean, so they did the same thing with Verlander. The true. They and then, and then the, the, the scuttlebutt is, well, we always knew Verlander was hard to deal with. He's just in Verlander. But, you know, I mean, your take, got a big ego, big presence, big whatever. But I guess Verlander in New York was ripping people at the Mets going, ah, your analytics aren't as good. Or yeah. your data, whatever, how, your R&D was not as good as Houston's. Yeah, and it showed him. Now he's back with Houston. But I then mean, again, Chris Bassett said we didn't have what the Mets have. Yeah, the the thing with uh, the thing too, another team, but they're that does really good developing, but some more bullpen is the Orioles. The back end of their bullpen is unbelievable, and those guys are just the guys they found. Like Cano is a guy that was just thrown in the deal last year for Jorge Lopez. He's a shutdown reliever. Batista's a shutdown guy. They make relievers way better in Baltimore, and it's just, teams like the Dodgers have done that for years with relievers. Now they're doing Lance Lynn and Jason Hayward. Baltimore's bullpen's been good for the past couple of years. Yeah, they and all their guys are usually like Rule Five guys or guys are on waivers. They're like they're not like. Doesn't that make the game so exciting? Isn't that exciting to you folks? We're not selling quarterbacks. We're not selling point guards. We're not. That's not. That's not what we sell. Hey, isn't that awesome? They get Rule Five guys to make bullpen guys. They're really good. That's what our sport is. Relievers. Cody's guys love that. That's awesome. Isn't that great? Don't you want to buy a ticket and come out and watch a bunch of guys you never heard of and don't care about and know they won't even be here in a who, year? Who was it? Was it Rosenthal said nameless, uh, faceless relievers? Well, he said the race. 
Yeah, get, gr- gr- give me a call. Call me in the post game. I don't want. I you know what? I do not want to show. Come here, cause just I want people to see. See, this is the legend right here that I talk about. He calls in every once in a while. This is the guy that protects the other team, and the other team tells him everything. He knows how everybody feels about everything. This is a guy that went up to Seattle as a trader and wore angel gear because he's buddies with Mike Sosha. That's the kind of trader this A's fan is. I got free tickets. And of course you got free and tickets. Field, and, field passes. and field passes. And he probably bought you dinner, too. He did. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and all you, I do is wear an angel hat. Oh, God. Good to see you. Call me in the postgame show. That's Ray. He's been the security guard. He's not the guy not to be confused seen. with our good for, good friend Roy, who's always around. Well, I don't have my badge. I'd be in trouble <laughs> if Roy's around. Uh, we're 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 uh we're up nameless again. face. Well, he called the Rays that the Rays, yeah, Rays bunch of Rays. nameless faceless relievers. That's kind of sad what our our game has become, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. How good are you at finding other? How good are you at looking at other people's players and saying? Okay, we could tweak this and make this guy good, but the guy also has to buy in, right? He also has to realize, when I trade for you, we think you could be better. We're going to give you that information, but you got to buy into it also, which is always not easy to do. But that's kind of the name of the game in a lot of ways when you're acquiring players. I'm acquiring a player just not for what you are. I'm, a, I'm acquiring you for what I think I can help you become. Yeah, and or turn you back into. And there's been guys that the A's have done that with. I mean, Rich Hill wasn't a big name when they brought him in. He was great. They flipped him. Uh, Scott Casimir. Kaz- uh, Blake Trinan. Scott Casimir became an All Star. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of guys. Uh, Cole Irvin wasn't uh, wasn't anybody. He was a cash deal guy, and he was the most reliable starter the A's had the last couple of years. And now he's with Baltimore. But yeah, they've done a, a lot of good things with that, with finding guys in the margins and you know making them better. And then you know, unfortunately, flipping them. But they've been done a nice job with doing that. Brandon Moss is another one. Feld guy in Pittsburgh couldn't do any, didn't do anything in Boston. Yes, but but for this discussion, it was about finding guys and you tweak them. Like they like what he's talking about is the Dodgers. It's this whole cloak and dagger thing. Eno Saris explained it to me. He explains it better. So the Dodgers have different divisions of pitching inside their R and D department, and they don't even work together, right? Like, you might be in the group of four-seamers and two-seamers. You might be in the group of sliders, cutters. And the, and the fastball guys don't share the, the, what they do with the cutter guys. They're all kind of like independent contractors. So what they do is they bring you in, and they see by video what you've been doing, whatever tweaks, or the arm slot, grip, whatever. That's different than, like, finding a Brandon Moss is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I they're, get it. They're, like, tweaking. They, Dodgers will bring in Jason Hayward and rework him as a player. Yeah, well. Like, they take Kike Hernandez. They've changed his swing. Yeah. Uh, we can ask him. You know, supposed to be on this tomorrow here, so we can ask him about the Dodgers and what they've done with Lance. He'll know. It's, the, it's, it's, it's a cloak and dagger thing. I don't know if it's good for our game. Is it good for our game when we have all these secrets? Because look where secrets. Mark DeRosa was saying today on MLB Network, he goes, Houston's the one that got caught. There was a lot more teams cheating. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, by the way, before we go, just got a text from the Royals. Um, Taylor Hearn apologized and said he's willing to do it tomorrow with us, but around sometime maybe around 4.30. Why don't we tape him? 
I can ask him about that. Oh, yeah. you know what? Whatever. We'll make it happen. Yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll. But I want the. We got Rhett's Hudler coming on. The Hudman. My tomorrow. guy. 4:15 tomorrow. I, I heard his voice and just just hearing his voice here at the ballpark fires me up. Yeah. So we'll have him and Eno. I'll see if we can take with Taylor Hearn. See if he's able to. I'm sure he wouldn't. I'm sure he'd be able to. Yeah. We've had a great show today. It was Lawrence Butler was great. We'll we, have that we, up soon. We buried the Yankees. We buried the Angels. We buried the Padres. Lawrence Butler. The great Ken Korak got him going. Our friend Allen. It's almost like you know you know, you ever you ever go there really early for a Warrior game? No. Okay. If you're ever there early for a Warrior game, each guy comes out at a different time to shoot, right? And there's the assistant coaches, or there'll be guys that work for him, who you got to get the rebound and get the ball out as the guys are taking shots, right? That's like what we were doing today with Ken Korak. We were just we were just we we're just getting him going. You were uh, the guy. What's his name? Q. Bruce Frazier, who throws the ball to Steph. Getting the ball and giving, it, giving him shots. Yeah. We're getting his shots up. And then our, the great Roxy Bernstein. Who's I, I know him as Allen, but. I mean, Roxy's been covering everybody. It's great to hear. We haven't heard from Roxy in a while. But the Lawrence Butler. You're going to hear. If you didn't hear Lawrence Butler, what's wrong with you? Lawrence Butler's going to be on pregame. He's going to be on postgame. I may go to bed listen to it, Lawrence Butler. We'll have it up shortly. Shortly? Yeah. We're going to have it on all social yeah. media, baby. We're going to be running it. LB, Law Dog, Law, whatever you want to call him, the kid's special. His first appearance of many as he told us, he's been watching this show with Bobby Crosby down at Midland. We found out Bobby Crosby's a big fan years ago. Uh, Bobby's the best. Bobby will be a big league manager. I don't disagree. He's doing a nice job at Midland. Bobby will be, you know what? I always liked him as a player. Now would you? I mean, Bobby's like one of the best too. For all the guys down there at uh, Fantasy Camp, I got I got pregame. You have like nine minutes. Pregame coming up next. Thank you for watching A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, LinkSoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is the number one brand of online mattresses in the Bay Area's favorite mattress store. Take home the Easy Breather Pillow. The New York Times calls it their number one pick. You can navigate their easy news website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and Gold fans use the coupon code Oakland and you get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding, love where you sleep. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.